Hello, everybody. Well, once again, as we continue on in the series we're doing called Interacting Well. Interacting Well. This series uh, is all about being salt and light in the world around us. And uh, we've been using as the sort of uh, series um, Jesus' great command. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we've been into those verses and we've been really sort of spending some time talking about loving God all in and that coming out of that love for God should be a love for our neighbors um, that's, that's similar to the love that we have for ourselves, uh, you know, with, with the same amount of passion and focus. And we said that you, you really can't do that without understanding that life is found in him all in. And then, then our desire for the people that we encounter um, is that they would come to know God the way that we have come to know him because that's where life is found. And that, that's sort of the, the, the heart of this idea um, of being salt and light in the earth. And over the last know, four weeks now, five weeks, we've been looking specifically at interactions that Jesus has with people to see what we can learn from him about how to do this thing well, how to love well, how to extend mercy to, uh, you know, what our neighbors, who our neighbors are, the people in need of mercy, and how he's constantly extending mercy to people, and how he thinks, and how he sees, and, and trying to learn from him how to interact well in the world around us so that we can encourage people to get into this journey that we're on with Christ that they might find life. Uh, and so, uh, so far we've looked at interactions that Jesus had with Nicodemus and we saw how he treated you know, someone that's coming at a very, from a very sort of uh, religious point of view. We, we looked at a, an encounter he has with, um, with a, the woman at the well and that's sort of a completely opposite sort of spectrum because she, she knew she was the mess she was in. We, we saw uh, Jesus interacting with his disciples at the feeding of the 5,000 and with a big group. We saw what happens with Jesus as, as he um, ministers to a woman that's been caught in adultery and what that looks like. And today, I want to look at another interaction that Jesus has. Again, this with his disciples. And really for the next couple of weeks, we'll be, we'll be looking at this one sort of uh, major event, if you would. Um, and, and that's uh, the Last Supper. And I think it's fitting that at this time of year we sort of are looking at this process where um, the Last Supper, you know, it's right there before um, the arrest of Jesus and the crucifixion and the resurrection and we're heading up to Easter where we're going to celebrate all of that. And I think we can learn a lot from, from this time that Jesus is taking with his disciples and, and in these last, really, hours that he's going to have with them before the crucifixion and resurrection um, what he's trying to show them uh, about the ministry that they're going to have and about the way that they're going to interact in the world. And so he's really sort of um, um, making sure, he's trying to tie up all his time in ministry with them in making some pretty significant points. And so I want to talk about um, that Last Supper over the next two weeks. Today I want to talk about um, um, how Jesus washes his disciples' feet and what that looks like. And then next week we're going to look at what was actually taking place during that Passover meal and, and all of the neat things that were going on as he was preparing his disciples for what would come. So that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, a little, I like to do a little something different between the intro and the thing. And uh, these are really bad. So you'll like them a lot. Well, first one, just a thought. Have you ever noticed, why is it that when the remote control batteries are going dead, we just start pushing harder on the buttons? Have you ever wondered why that... I just, it's just one of those thoughts. I read about a guy who, who recently got crushed by a pile, a pile of books. He, he's only got his shelf to blame. 
Yeah, I know, that's a pity laugh. You want, you want to hear a pizza joke? No, nah, no, nah, never mind. It's really cheesy. <laughs> Scripture reading. I told you they were bad. John 13, verses 15 through 17. This is out of the message paraphrase. We'll dig into this more in the NIV in a moment. I've laid down a pattern for you. This is Jesus speaking. What I've done, you do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. A servant is not ranked above his master. An employee doesn't give orders to the employer. If you understand what I'm telling you, act like it and live a blessed life. Blessed be the word of the Lord. In this encounter, in this interaction today, he's going he's gonna to tell his disciples how to, how to live a happy life, how to live a blessed life. And, and um, I've said to you that, you know, that's, that's sort of at our core um, in loving ourselves. That, that all of us, it's, and it's hardwired into us, we want to be happy. Um, we often move in bad directions thinking that we're going to get happy in our own strength. But, but Jesus wants us to have lives that are blessed. And, and that word there is, is, is really means happy. Um, that we experience a measure of joy in him even in the midst of living in a fallen world on a broken planet and dealing with the mess that we have to deal with. But he's saying, listen, um, I've, I've demonstrated for you the way to have a blessed or a happy life. And he's going to illustrate that in a very dramatic way in this thing that happens today. The first thing we need to do, though, in order to live this thing out, in order to love people, um, to love our neighbors, ourselves, this is going to be a fundamental point of that, is we have to know who we are in Him. We're going to have to settle with this whole process in our lives. Who we are in Him. John 13, 3 through 5. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power, that He had come from God and He was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. All right, so um, Jesus knew who he was, uh, and that's what those verses sort of say. So so, uh, he knows where he came from. He knows where he's headed. He knows what his mission is. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. And so um, he is not concerned about position and, and he wants us to see that because it's very important that we begin to get that in that's one of the big sort of um, realities of life is that we have to get freed up from this thing that's on us by, by nature if you would and then really just stretched out of measure by culture um, this idea of sort of, of striving to be something instead of just settling in who we already are in Him. And, and until we can settle who we are in Him, we're never going to really experience life. We'll always be striving and pushing in our own strength to try and be whatever it is we think we need to be or, or whatever we think people are pushing us to be instead of just settling in who we really are in Him. And so we have to have some ideas about this, and we've talked about this even in this series and certainly in others, that, that we need to begin to understand what it means to be his child, to, to, that we're his beloved, that we're the apple of his eye, that we're his poema, uh, his workmanship is that word, his, his work of art, his poem. That, that, that's a description of who you are in him, and that settling in that is going to help you to experience life the real life that you've always wanted. But because we tend to struggle with that whole concept, 
we often spend all our time sort of striving, trying to, um, you know, make ourselves into something instead of just, just being who we're supposed to be in Him. And we're trying to do that on our own strength apart from Him. And, and what, that, uh, what that causes us to do is strive instead of thrive. And what He wants us to do, and this is point two, is He wants us to thrive and not strive. We're, we're, he wants us to live this, this blessed life that I was talking about, this, this life of um, where we're, we're deep down happy. Make sure when you hear me say that, it doesn't mean that then everything is perfect and no issues ever happen. That's not true. It's, it's a messed up world still. But we can experience a life in Him that will allow us to um, uh, just, just be settled in so many areas and, and really open ourselves up to all that He has for us. And so this story goes on in John 13, 6 through 8, that Jesus comes to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now here's what's going on. I want to set the, the stage a little bit more at this Last Supper and, and the, uh, the issue with what's taking place at the foot washing. Um, we know from, from the Gospel of Luke that, that during the Last Supper there's another sort of issue that's going on in the process among the disciples. And in Luke 22:24, it said, also a dispute rose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. So here's, here's the issue now where, and try and I, I want you to start thinking about what's going on. All right, um, this is the Last Supper. Um, Jesus is fully aware of this. He's tried to tell his guys this is coming up, but they refuse to hear him uh, in that process. So they're, they're not really aware of the fact that they're, they're running out of uh, this, this amazing ministry time with Jesus um, in this, you know, before the crucifixion and resurrection. And he's trying to speak to them, and he's trying to encourage them, and he's trying to love them well, and he's, he's putting all this in this time. And, and so they're there at the Last Supper, and they're having dinner, and, and the disciples are arguing amongst themselves who's the greatest, which one is the greatest. And this has been an ongoing argument with them, still happening here right at the, right at the end of this whole ministry. Now, um, you know, I've, I've been encouraging you to put yourself in these situations and to really think about it. I want you to do that this week, to really start thinking about what it would have been like to have been there at the Last Supper and, and um, how amazing it would have been. And yet, you would have been just like the rest of these guys, having spent all this time in ministry with Jesus, and you've seen him do things, and you've been used by God to do things, and, and you're sort of, the, you're worked up, and you're struggling about, you know, who really is the greatest, and who gets the best seats here at the table? Who's, who's really the most important? What does it feel like? You know, where's my position? I want Jesus to go, yay, yay, about me. You know, all those things, whatever it is, and they're, they're having these struggles. Now, the Last Supper, at, at this meal, this Passover meal, it would have been a part of the whole ceremony at some point that, that the, all of the people at the meal would have their feet washed. When they'd come into a place um, for any type of meal, it would have been normal that, that foot washing at the time would have been just part of the deal. Remember, they lived um, in, a, in a place, in a time when, when everything was very dusty, and, just, and they walked everywhere they went, uh, pretty much. So they would have had, you know, their, their feet would have been to, to sit down and enjoy a meal. The feet would have needed to be cleaned in the process. And this, uh, this foot washing would usually be the job of the lowest of the servants. It would have been the lowest of the servants who would have been responsible for washing the feet of the people who come in to be a part of the house or the meal or whatever's going on. And so 
all during this meal, in the beginning of it and the, the welcoming and everything, everybody at the table knew that they needed to have their feet washed. And it, everything was already prepared, so the, everything that was needed for the foot washing would have been visible to everybody, sitting somewhere in the room, would have been a basin with water, uh, you know, and, a, and some water and a towel in order for the foot washing to take place. Now the guys are sitting around arguing who's going to be the greatest, and part of this is the deal, because uh, somebody needs to start doing the foot washing thing for this thing to continue. Somebody needs to step up and make it happen. Well, they're all concerned about who's going to be the greatest, so they're not doing it. So who breaks for the water basin? Jesus. That's amazing. Now remember Jesus, fully God, fully man, the creator of everything, spoke. <laughs> He's been among them doing these amazing things. You know, they're, they've, 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 they're totally following him. And, and, and here, here Jesus steps up from the table. He knows who he is. He steps up from the table. I mean, and you talk about knowing who you are. I mean, this is the Lord. Uh, he steps up from the table, he wraps a towel around his waist, and begins to wash the feet of his disciples. Now this, you know, I, I, I think he's doing this, and, and the guys, um, see, I, I try and think of how I would feel, and, and, and the deal is, I think I'd be a little embarrassed that I hadn't done it. And I think that's what Peter is, is experiencing at this point, um, because when he gets to Peter, Peter says, Lord, I don't want you to wash my feet. Now, I always think in that process, I think through this, what he's really saying is, no, Lord, we never wanted you to wash, but we, we wanted, uh, Peter, I, I wanted one of these other guys to wash my feet. I'm trying to make a point about who's the greatest here. And everybody was trying to make the point. We didn't want you to get up. We, we just wanted one of these other guys to, you know, figure out that they weren't the greatest and step up to the plate. And Jesus, we never wanted you to do that. But Jesus said, you have to, you have to learn this or you're never going to figure this out. You have to let me do this now. Because this is where you're going to figure out where, where, life comes. Life never comes from striving to, to establish yourself in a position um, where you think you're going to find life. Life comes from just settling who you are in Him and then living that out to the best of your ability. That's where you experience life. You'll never experience life striving to be something that you're not. You will only experience life as you just begin to settle in who you are in Him and then say, Lord, how is it that you want me to live? What is it that you want me to do? What is it that I'm to do? Because that's what I want. And that's where you begin to experience life. And, and so here we have these guys sitting around the table. I, I just think, you know, my own thinking of that is, is now they're all sort of horribly embarrassed that Jesus is up washing their feet. That's not what they wanted. But I also think it's one of those times when they're really learning something about, about life. Because here's Jesus. And I just see, you know, he takes their feet. and he, I think he's praying for them. And he's, it's, it's, it's got to be, you know, one of the most amazing things they've ever experienced. And yet... He's, he's teaching them, this is how you're going to find life in the kingdom, by being willing to just serve and do whatever the Lord would ask you to do, by, by being willing to, to let go of some of the what about me, what about me stuff, and, and really get to the point where, Lord, I, I just want to live for you, and whatever that looks like in the process. And so what, what we come to find out is this, and the third thing is, is that real life in Christ, this real life we're talking about in Christ, is a paradox. It's a paradox. Um, and so, you know, you know what's a paradox? Um, and, and a paradox is not two physicians hanging out together. That's a little bonus joke. <laughs> thrown in to end. A paradox 
is an apparently self-contradictory, even absurd statement, which on closer inspection is found to contain a truth reconciling the conflicting opposites. Here's some ideas of paradox in the scripture. Matthew 20, 16, Jesus said, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Doesn't he seem to make sense? Until you press in and realize that he's talking about where we're going to find life. Mark 9, 35, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Again, not making sense to these guys. Luke 17, 33, whoever tries to keep his life will lose it and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Wow. So if I'm, if I'm pushing and trying to get everything that I want, I'll never get life. But if I just go, Lord, okay, it's all yours. That's when I get life. John 13, 12 through 15. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. He knew who he was. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. He's setting them example. He showed them how they can experience life and what it looks like. He served. See, that's what he did. That's what he came to do. He came to serve, not to be served. He came to love, to love extravagantly, to extend the mercy of the Father, and to let the people who follow him know that's where life is found. See, this real life, point four, is found in loving God and loving your neighbor. It's found there. John 13, 17, this is how he, he ends this little illustration. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now that you know them, you'll be blessed, you'll be happy if you do them. If you really want to live and you want to have the life that you're talking about, and you, you're going through all these things, because really they just want life too. You know, that's why they're struggling. They're thinking life is going to come by being the greatest. And he says, that's not where you're going to find it. You're going to find it by being a servant. But if you really want to live this life, I've showed you how to do it, and you'll experience it if you'll just do it. And again, that's what he's calling us to do. That's the picture of everything that Jesus has said. That's the great commandment. Love God all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And he says that to us so that we can experience life. That's where life is found. He said, go through this life. Once you figure out that, that it's, it's all about him anyway, and we, we get to that point and we make that connection and we know that he's got us now and forever and that he wants the very best for us and that he loves us and he looks at us and he sees us and he, he's, you know, we're the apple of his eye and he's, he knows all our mess and yet he, he's just proud of us anyway and, and he, he wants us to, you know, just experience everything that this life has now and forever in him and to know that we can trust him and, and that, that there's nothing better uh, anywhere that we would look and, and that we can just settle in him um, that as we do those things that what comes out of that then is we we start to look at the world around us and rather than just seeing people as scenery and machinery we think you know what this life that's in him I want other people to know this life too and so Lord would you just use me to, to help people into the journey to, to, to not get so stuck on 